Good morning. So, <clears throat> when, we, when we go to church, we love to, you know, we, we want to be inspired, and we want to be strengthened and equipped, and at home, when we're eating, we, one of the things that our parents always told us is to eat your vegetables, and, and this morning's message is one of those. It's, it's, more, it's probably in the vegetable category, um, but that means it's good for us. So it's not always, you know, sometimes it's not always, always as palatable, but God's got a reason for everything. So for the next season, we're going to be going into a study on the book of James. And it's a book that's going to equip, strengthen, courage, challenge, and mature us. So the heart behind this is that we will grow in our spiritual maturity. How many of us know that being a Christian is easy? Until it's not. Avoiding sin and temptation is easy until it's not. Loving people, easy until it's not. Forgiving is easy until it's not. Until we have somebody to forgive. Obeying scripture is easy until it's not. Putting God first in everything is easy until it's not. Yet the line of until it's not varies depending on our maturity, not our age, our maturity. And that's what the book of James is all about, that we will grow in spiritual maturity. On the one river bank, we can feel rebuked during this time for our lack of maturity. On the other river hand, we can gain insight and wisdom as to how to grow in our maturity so we can learn from our mistakes or we can learn from teaching. But the goal is that all of us will grow. Either way, whether you are feeling disciplined for making mistakes, which all of us have made, or we feel encouraged because we're getting things right, we will grow when we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. Whatever season you're in right now, through submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, your season will not be for nothing, and you will grow through it. Um, But submission to Jesus is key. So, Oswald Chambers says this, spiritual maturity is not reaching reached by the passing of the years, but by obedience to the will of God. You can be a Christian for a long time, and you're growing old, but you're not growing up. Spiritual maturity is when we are obedient to the will of God. In theology, there's something called the sin of commission, and then there's a sin of omission. Things that we shouldn't do that we do, and things that we should do that we don't do. And what happens is, in the beginning, we recognize those things are wrong, and we shouldn't do them. That's obvious sin. So we avoid those things. But as we grow in our faith and our maturity and our spiritual disciplines, then all of a sudden, we we don't just recognize what we shouldn't do, but we also start embracing what we should do. So there's a way of living that we need to embrace. Another thing I want, to, I want to note about maturity is that it's marked by taking personal responsibility for our lives, which includes our faults, our future, and our faith. Nobody else can take responsibility for those things. You are responsible to grow in those areas. Um, so we are so good at telling everybody else how to live their lives. And what they should and shouldn't do and how they should behave. And this scripture that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks is is a way of saying, actually, let's hold up a mirror and look at our own lives. Instead of throwing stones at everybody else, let's take responsibility to grow up, to examine our own hearts. And we can 
Realistically, you can blame everyone for why you don't, didn't, can't, won't, couldn't, or shouldn't do the right thing. But when we don't do the right thing, it isn't because we've got a wonderful excuse. All it does is reveals our own lack of maturity and where our heart is at. So this isn't about throwing stones at other people. It's about saying, Lord Jesus, I want to be submitted to your will and ways, and I want to grow in spiritual maturity. Not so that I can say I'm a Christian, but so that I can live in a way that reflects who you are. Our Kayla daughter, I mean our Kayla daughter, my English is appealing, most of you know that. Um, I, I do know it's appalling, just in case you're explaining it to the person next to you. Um, is my daughter in the room? Mm-hmm, you might want to hide. No, I'm just joking. When, when our daughter was in preschool, she won the eating award. She got a little... A little she got a little certificate because everything she was fed, she ate. You know, when you taste it and you're like, oh, oh, here we go. And she's like, oh, yes, she loved it. You know, but we had a responsibility as parents to feed her because we were, she was a baby. She was a child. Yet as we grow up, we learn to feed ourselves. And this is a sign of maturity. And the reason I'm saying this is because if we're going through the book of James, you can wait for us to feed you, or you can take responsibility, go home and go through the book of James and trust God to speak to you. But in maturity, we can't just have a sermon once a week and say, I'm being well fed. Maturity is to say, Lord, help me to feed myself. So starting from the beginning, James 1 verse 1. Greetings from James. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. So just some background information. Um, There are quite a few Jameses in the Bible, but this particular author of this particular book, James, was the half-brother of Jesus. And there's a lot of theology to back that up. So James, what he does is he's he's the half-brother of Jesus. He He learns from the wisdom of growing up with Jesus from being around him. He takes the teachings that he's heard from being with him on the Sermon of the Mount, um, Sermon on the Mount, plus his knowledge of the Old Testament, especially the book of Proverbs. He takes all of this with his passion for the church, and he writes about what Christian maturity looks like in our personal lives and inside the church. What does maturity look like? And how important it is that all of us don't just grow old, but we grow up. That we take responsibility. Growing old happens naturally. Growing up happens intentionally. Listen to this quote. Growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. A lot of the problems that we face in our own lives, a lot of the problems that we face in our own lives, are the direct result of spiritual immaturity. And the book of James is written, it's as relevant to them then as it is to us today. Warren Wiersbe says this, I'm convinced that spiritual immaturity is the number one problem in our churches. By the way, this is not meant to be a rebuke. (laughs) I love you, and you love me, and we all love Jesus. So, uh, And by the way, going through this, every time, whoever's standing up here preaching needs this word just as much as everyone else. Let me be clear. Um, He says this, I'm convinced that spiritual immaturity is the number one problem in our churches. God is looking for mature men and women to carry on his work. And sometimes all he can find are little children who cannot even get along with each other. 
I mean, obviously, we don't know anybody like that. But in some of the other churches, we've heard. So, so the book of James, there's five chapters in the book of James, and it gives five key marks of maturity. And we're not breaking it down into five. Each one is broken down into different divisions. But there's five marks of maturity. How we handle testing, that's broken down into trials and temptations. How we handle truth, how we handle our tongue, how we handle patience, and how we handle prayer. And all of us, as we go through the next few weeks, are going to grow in all of these areas. Why? Because we're submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, and everyone that watched the rugby last night is being tested in all five of these things. Oh, too soon. And I, by the way, I didn't prep this knowing about the rugby. I was like going through, I was like, today's subject will help all of us. So for the next season, we're going to break things down. We're going to digest them and we're going to trust God to do something in us. So chapter one breaks down testing into two areas, trials and temptations. And trials work from the outside in and temptations work from the inside out. And today we are going to talk about how to handle trials. How many of us right now are in the fire? You don't have to show your hands, but I, I got a feeling, if I have to say, is there pressure in your life at the moment? There would probably be a few hands that don't go up. Everybody else would be feeling it. As Glenn Frey would put it, the heat is on. <laughs> remember, remember that song? Actually, that could be completely something else. <laughs> Cut that out. I don't even know what that song's about. <laughs> the heat is on. <laughs> anyway, please forgive me if that's something sketchy. Uh, when the pressure is on us, oh, I've got to filter things better. Am I right? When the pressure is on us, it either breaks us or builds us. And today we're going to turn trials into triumphs. Because the truth is, trials are going to come your way. And we're going to have tests that come out, I mean, testimonies that come out of our tests. I know pastors love this kind of thing where it rhymes and it's cool. From victims to victors, this world will give you lemons. And you can either get sour or make lemonade. Immaturity makes us sour. Maturity makes lemonade. I saw this kid on this video. It's very cruel. I think the kid must have been begging for juice or something. <laughs> so the parent gives them the lemon juice. And they take a big chug. And then oh, this kid's face is like, oh, he's like so upset. And that's unfortunately a picture of how many people grow up and they get more and more sour by what life is dishing them out. And you can visibly see it. While other people go, hold on, there's something good that can come out of that. So by the way, at the back there, I bought lemonade. We bought lemonade. So we'll talk about it. But as we go through, trust, Lord, whatever my trial is, help me to turn that sourness into something sweet. And Lord, help me to discover you in the midst of my trial. So afterwards, we don't have a lot of, I think, I don't know how many liters we bought. But have some lemonade and ask God to speak to you in that moment. So let's take a look at the book of James. James 1 verse 2 to 12. <clears throat> Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Lemons, lemonade. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In other words, you will be spiritually mature. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, 
be sure that your faith is in God alone. Not our plan B, in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. May we not be a people torn between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers and the, and the little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. What we think is valuable in this world isn't as valuable as we think. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And I know that when we read scripture, sometimes we can drift off, but the truth is what I have to say in between is far less important than the scripture itself. May God speak loudly through his word because that is a truth that never changes. I want to read that same scripture and I'll try and you know, not lose you in the way I read, but I'm trying, I want to read that same scripture from the message. So it's a contemporary sort of poetic English that helps us understand that particular text. It says this, Con- consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. How many of you go, oh man, I'm being tested in every way. What a gift from God. <laughs> you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Cindy Lauper? (laughs) Okay. So don't try get out of anything immaturely. Let it do its its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believing, without a second thought. Listen to this. This is just brilliant, the way he puts it. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think think you're going to get get anything from the master that way. A drift at sea, keeping all your options open. It's like, well, I'm going to include God. God's option, one of my options, but I've got all these other plans. When down and outers get a break, cheer. When the arrogant rich are brought down to size, cheer. Prosperity is short-lived as a wildflower, so don't ever count on it. You know that as soon as the sun rises, pouring down its scorching heat, the flower withers. Its petals wilt, and before you know it, the beautiful face is a barren stem. Well, that's a picture of the prosperous life. At the very moment everyone is looking on in admiration, it fades away to nothing. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on, mighty fortunate. For such persons loyalty, uh, for such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. When it comes to talking about our our troubles, there's a particular word in verse 2 that I really don't like. And it's the word when. When trials happen. Not if, when. Lemons are coming our way. It is a biblical reality. And I wish it wasn't like that. I wish it was like, guys, give yourself to Jesus and trials stop immediately. Instead, it's give yourself to Jesus and understand that there's a purpose in the trials. 
It's going to happen to all of us. Yet how we respond to trials either sets us up or trips us up. And many people in faith get tripped up because of trials instead of set up for the glorious display of who Jesus is. And it's so often not about who's right or wrong, but who's willing to say mercy, not to the person who's wronged us, but to Jesus. Trials test us, not so that God can see what we are made of. Da 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 da. <laughs> Don't worry, nobody noticed. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's take a little water break. Trials test us. Trials are going to come your way. Lemons are coming your way. Not so that God can see what we're made of, because God is omniscient. He already knows what we're made of. It's so that we can see what we're made of. So when trials and tests and things come your way, you get to see what you truly believe. And faith is the key ingredient to turning trials to triumphs. Faith. It's absolutely vital. It's like those chemistry videos, you know, when they add one drop and everything changes. One drop of faith to our test tube of trouble changes everything. A mustard seed of faith to your trials will change your life radically. So in the text, we're going to look at four verbs, four doing words, four things that we need to un- understand and apply that will help change our perspective to the trials that we're going through. So we don't just go through trials, but we grow through trials. Because it's possible to go through trials and not grow. But when we apply faith to our trials, then we don't just go through it, we grow through it. And we all, the eye doctor, and they put those those filters on and everything's blurry and you can't make sense of anything and then all of a sudden the new filters come on the new filters and everything's absolutely crystal clear that's what we're going to be doing today we're going to be looking through certain filters that help us see clearly so in the moment you might think god is invisible he's far away and everything is blurry the trials have made god invisible but what happens is when we look at the scripture and we break it down a little bit, then all of a sudden we see the trials are not for nothing. But if we look at them through certain faith advisors, then they will change. And the goal isn't, Lord, please remove us from our trouble. It's please be with us in our trouble. Trouble is not going to go away. But the presence of God can be found in the trouble. So what are these things? What are the four things that we need? What are the filters of faith that we need to apply so we can see clearly? James 1 verse 2 to 5. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Consider, know, let, and ask. Consider, know, let, ask. So break it down if you're taking notes. Number one, consider. In other words, think carefully before you make life decisions. Consider what's going on around you. When trials, troubles, and tribulation come on, what do we need to consider? Where is it coming from? Why is God allowing it? And what can we gain from it? How can we grow? That doesn't mean that every terrible situation is sent by God, but it teaches us that he certainly won't get, let any situation go to waste. Whatever you are going through will not go to waste when we give it to God. 
So sometimes some trials are simply the result of us being human. Sickness, accident, disappointment, life happens. And then we also need to consider this, which is the truth. The devil hates us, the world opposes us, and the battle is real. We know this. And scripture goes as far as to say, consider your struggle or your trial as an opportunity for joy. The only way that we can have a joyful attitude towards trial and trouble is to know that God is faithful and he will bring something good out of it, even if we can't see it. God is good. God is faithful. God is enough. He will get you through and good will come from it. When we have a faithful attitude, everything changes because our outlook determines our outcome. In other words, our filters determine our future and our attitude determines our actions. This is like what you do is you're going through a a tough time right now. So you find a high place and you say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to seek and search for you. I'm not moving until I find you. I, I need to consider what is going on, where you are, why I'm going through this, what you can do. And I'm not leaving until I find God. There's a quote that says this, our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter, not better. The sweetness of God's presence can be discovered in every trial. And in every trial through faith, we can turn our lemons into lemonade. I just want you to know, I don't stand here in a bubble of struggle-free ignorance. I have faced genuine struggle. A lot of it, probably most of it, self-inflicted. Both physical and spiritual. And I can say with faith that God is good and no pain goes to waste. God is good. God is good. God is faithful and no pain goes to waste. So number one, consider Think about why you're going through what you're going through and find God in that space. Number two, know. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So what should we know? There's certain things that you need to know. Number one, or A, faith is always tested. Faith is always tested. Oh, Lord, you all are, you all are need. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> You, you know, you everything. You, I, I was thinking about that song that we were singing there. It says, make me an offering. Do we, do we understand what we're singing? It doesn't say, Lord, make me an offer. <laughs> what can you give me? What, what do I get out of this? It says, make me an offering. Crush my life. Bring new wine out of me. And, we, and God's like, no, that's fine. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me test that. Testing brings the best out of us. The devil tempts us to bring the worst out of us. I've shared this before, but it's good to be reminded. We have our public, private, and core convictions. Our public convictions is what we want everyone in the room to believe we believe. Then there's our private convictions. This is what we think we believe. And then there are our core convictions. This is what we truly believe when the fire's on us. So are you all happy? <laughs> Enjoy it. So, um, testing. Faith is always tested. B, 
testing works for us, not against us. Back in the day, they would have these people called gold prospectors, and they would, they would search for gold, and then they would take the gold for assessing. Not so they can see how much that little piece of gold is worth, but they can see that what the gold, the gold that they've found is real, and the ground that they're searching is actually a gold mine. And in a way, we go through this refining fire, and what we left with might be like this small thing of little value, but it's valuable to God, to God because it's something built in faith. So the fire is going to come over all of our lives. The testing is going to come. And when it happens, we want to be people that say, after all of the testing, guess what remains? A man or a woman of faith. It didn't go well for me. Things didn't go according to my plan, but God is good. And he carried me through. As much as it hurts for believers, trials work for us. See, trials handled well lead to maturity. How many of us can say that we are patient people? I mean, if I had to describe you, now if someone had to say, just give me three things about that person, would patient be one of them? People commended, you know, like they, they said to you, wow, I just I want to let you know that you are incredibly outstanding when it comes to the area of patience. Circumstances. It's to persevere courageously in the face of struggle and suffering. Can I say that again? Biblical patience isn't to passively accept our circumstances. It's to persevere courageously in the face of suffering and struggle. Faith and patience go hand in hand just like impatience and unbelief. And the reason I say this is because patience is a sign of spiritual maturity and often the key to many blessings. And I, I say this, and I, I mean, I had to apologize yesterday for my impatience. And then Eugene, your testimony this morning, spiritual maturity, because you sat there when you shouldn't have been patient, but you were patient, and that person saw Jesus in you. What a blessing. If we hold on a little longer, we just trust God for a little bit more, then he will refine us and something good will come out of it. Abraham, Moses, Joseph, David, Peter, all heroes of the faith, they were all considered mature, but on the other side of patience. All of them went through incredible testing. And when they were, how can I say, patient in the testing, all of a sudden they came through to another space of maturity. Even Jesus faced trials. Yet every trial has an opportunity to refine us and turn us into someone more like Jesus. Are you, are you guys with me? Thank you. Number three, let. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In other words, you will reach a place of spiritual maturity. Character is built through cooperation. Salvation is something that happens for us. Sanctification is the process of being made more and more like Jesus that happens in us. Service happens through us. But all of these things happen in surrender to who God is. God isn't looking to control us. If God wanted to control us, he would control us. But he's not looking to control us. He's looking for those who will cooperate and say, Lord Jesus, this isn't the way I wanted it. But Lord, I know that in everything you are good and you are faithful. So I surrender myself to you. I cooperate. And as I surrender myself, as I let you do what you want to do, you refine me and make me more like you. Not do it. You know, it's not, I'll do it, Lord. You don't have to do it. It's not, I'll do nothing. You do it all. It's we cooperate. If you have someone to forgive, we know this. Forgiving is easy until it's not until you genuinely have someone to forgive. Yet when we surrender ourselves to his will, even when it's difficult, that's when we are refined and maturity comes out of us. When we face trials, we put our faith into actions. So we consider, seek God. Know 
let and lastly ask. James 1 verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When you're going through a hard time, when you're going through testing, one of the best things you can do is pray and ask God for wisdom. Whatever you are going through right now, ask God for wisdom. I've preached on it many times. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Listen to this quote. This is something, if you're taking notes, I I really believe this is something that will speak to you and you can write this down. Knowledge is the ability to take things apart. Wisdom is the ability to put them together. So we can think to ourselves, I can absolutely diagnose what that person did, why they did it, what I'm going through, why I'm going through it. We can consider all these things. We know how to dissect it, but wisdom and maturity says, I know how to put it back together again. That relationship is broken and severed and damaged and blah, blah, blah. That's knowledge. That's wonderful. Wisdom, how do I handle that Lord Jesus in a way that reflects who you are? Because that's a sign of maturity. Not I'm going to match whatever level they are. I'm going to match what you call me to because that's what spiritual maturity is. That's what growing up looks like. It is possible to be an educated fool, (laughs) full of knowledge yet lack wisdom. Think about this. When we are going through hard times, why ask God for wisdom? Why not just say, Lord, please take me out of this hard time. Please give me strength or grace or help me to escape. Because wisdom seeks that opportunity to grow us and mature us. My advice, ask God for everything. Seek God, find God in the middle of your trial and trust him for wisdom. And according to scripture, God is so eager to answer that prayer. If you pray for wisdom, God will answer it. And wisdom isn't saying I know now the easiest thing to do. It's I know the right thing to do. Wisdom teaches us to to distinguish the difference between right and wrong and feelings and faith. Because without it, we're like corks floating around in the ocean, prone to confusion and deception. Remember, your outlook determines your outcome. And when we consider, know, let, and ask in faith, we turn our trials into triumphs. No matter what you are facing right now, joy is possible. No matter how hectic the fire is right now, Joy is possible. Just don't give up. James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And that's not just talking about salvation. That's talking about living a life that reflects Jesus now. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Lemons are coming. And we will be a church that enjoy lemonade. Because we're going to trust God to turn our trials into triumphs, our tests into testimonies. And the only way that happens is when we live by faith, not by sight. So, as a church, one of the things that we want to we want to create space for the Holy Spirit to move, obviously. And when the service ends, doesn't mean God has ended. So if we do have an hour service, an hour and 15 minute, whatever it is, it doesn't mean that you need to rush out. So Stu and Vilma, Chris and Carla, won't you guys stand up here? Um, who else have you asked? Eugene, the ministry team, won't you guys come and stand in the front here?
front. Okay, do you want to? Do you want to? Have you got a, a word? Have you, um, Isaac? Fine, I don't need it. No, no, we, we need it. We need it. I'm a drama teacher. I can speak up. Um, but I'll do it anyway. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful natural colors. But I learned something this week that was very interesting. Fain, often in that um, time, in a certain um, season, it burns. And do you know that the Fain boss needs that heat to germinate? When we in trials... It's hot, and it's hard, and we have to be so patient. At times, we want to put the fire out, but it just keeps burning. But we are that seed, and we are going to germinate under God's fire. And once the fire's burnt the place, it looks terrible, and it's black. And you think, oh my gosh, what happened here? But then it all grows back again, and it's even more beautiful and even more fruitful. And I just want to feel we need to be patient in our time of trials and our times of fire. And I just feel there's people here, and I want to confirm with them, who are going through trial right now. You are that little seed. Be patient. Come up here. If there are people, come up here and be touched by God. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to do is we've got a ministry team up here. And if you have a prayer need for anything at all, and you trust in God, you, you might be lonely, you might be struggling, you might be just really trusting God for breakthrough. Maybe you, the fire is so intense you cannot, you cannot see a way out because it's just smoke and flames all around you. Maybe the testing is severe. One of the greatest things we can do is, is, is seek God. And, and I encourage you, if you're in that space, and maybe you're in the best place ever, and you want to say, I just want to come up for prayer just to say thank you to God, and I want to pray with someone. So it doesn't, it's not the problems come forward. I think that we should create space for the Holy Spirit to do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. So I'm going to pray over us, and then the ministry team is going to come up. And if you are visiting for, for the very first time, if you are new, I'm going to be heading straight to that table at the back there. And I'd love to meet you for some coffee or lemonade. Um, but before we do that, let's stand together. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for everybody in this room. Some are going through fire in their relationships. Some are going through fire in their finances. Some are going through fire in their health. Lord, there are many reasons why there's people in this room that are absolutely struggling. And I pray, Lord, the reality of your presence will break into their space and show the way forward. That joy is possible. I thank you, Lord, that as people come forward, you will speak to them. That you will answer their prayers. That they will be heard. I thank you that everyone in this room is visible and valuable to you, Lord Jesus. And I know, Lord, trials and tribulations are coming our way. But I thank you, Jesus, that we will be gold in your hand. May whatever we're going through, Lord Jesus, only make us more and more like you. And any strategy of the enemy against our lives will be smashed and broken in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And at the end of the battle, we will stand victorious and say, I stand with a banner over my head that says, Jesus is Lord. Thank you that no trial goes to waste. No pain is uh, outside of purpose. I thank you, Jesus, that you will move today in power. And I thank you, Lord, all of us will grow up in maturity and faith. And as we go through the book of James, things that might not even be preached, you will speak to us about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.